This episode of Meet the Creatives is brought to you by KEH Camera. They've been in business for 40 years and they are the world's largest buyer and seller of used camera gear. They have everything a photographer needs to start their kit, bodies, lenses, filters, batteries, bags, memory cards, tripods, new accessories, you name it, they got it. Uh, their website is easy to use. They have a great phone customer service team. All of the people on the phone team have been there for more than 10 years. They know exactly what they're talking about and they can answer all your questions. They stand behind all their sales, 14-day return policy, 180-day standard warranty, with the largest and broadest inventory of used gear in the world with over 55,000 items and the largest collection of film gear in the world. These guys are crushing it, and I'm happy to be partnering with them. They're opening up a new retail store in Atlanta, Georgia, in the very near future, where you can go and uh, see all the gear in person and talk to real people. So. They clean, inspect, and repair everything themselves in-house with certified technicians, and they make sure they get it right every time. KEH has got your back, and it's a great way to start your creative journey. So go to KEH.com, uh, and it's going to be a great season with KEH as a partner. Let's start the show. Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today I am here with Sarah Rebar, Senior Illustrator at Sesame Street. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Great. Uh, tell me about your journey before coming here. How did you become an illustrator? When was the first time you picked up like a pencil or something yeah. like that? And uh, was Sesame Street your original favorite OG show? Ever since I was little, I knew I wanted to be a cartoonist. That's always mm. what I wanted. Um, grew up watching Sesame Street. My mom was a teacher, so that was basically the only thing we were allowed to watch. Oh my god! <laughs> I was the same way. Yeah. yeah, but but also like I feel like back in the day it was a little more edgy, so it was like kind of mm. cool to watch it as a kid growing up. But I grew up watching it, and when I was in fourth grade, I was like, I'm gonna be an artist. Like that was when I knew. Like character design, or just like artists in general. Art. Well, I wanted to do. I wanted to be a comic book artist, mm. so. I draw comic strips based on like Looney Tune characters and um, it kind of piqued my interest. I was like, I want to be a cartoonist um, and was dead set on it. Like my parents were like, you should be an engineer. <laughs> you should. <laughs> well, Doctor, my, lawyer, yeah, any, right? anything else. Like we have a family with uh, doctors in it and my dad was an engineer growing up. Um, and Was there anyone creative at mm, all or no one? My uncle... Like an artsy um, grandma? I have one uncle who studied graphic design under Milton Glacier, which I, I didn't know, like, I didn't know who... At the time, you didn't realize how cool that was. No. Right. Um, so, and he always had, like, a ton of mad magazines. He, mm -hmm. he, knew, he knew what Pixar, Pixar was back in the beginning. Right. Um, but he was the and only... like, Zap comics and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So he, he was, I think he was the only person in my family who did art and my mom I, I guess I should say like my mom was an art teacher so she definitely also did art um, and she kind of was the person to encourage me to go into it and, and she was like I think you're talented right. <laughs> you can do you this shot, kid, yeah, yeah. And, and then every time I was in school I would always do um, art projects in place of like a paper if I mm -hmm. could so I was like the go-to person for like comics and drawing and was very focused on that did you do like the school play posters and that kind of stuff <laughs> no <laughs> no, um, but I would I would uh, basically make comics and art all the time, and I, I 
it's crazy to think about it now because I'm like I was very focused on that and I was like I'm doing this and headstrong whatever and then I went to study illustration at Syracuse upstate mm -hmm. so studied painting and drawing basically for four years I, nice. I and only got into digital stuff my last year of school because we had one amazing professor who was like you guys should have websites <laughs> um, <laughs> and he encouraged us to like make websites make like postcard designs whatever um, and then I graduated during the recession in 2008 and good timing, good timing. perfect timing for being an art art graduate and was like why and an illustrator too yes. not only a graphic designer but an illustrator yes and I, I remember like graduating thinking oh you know I had always wanted to storytell and was interested in comics and animation and um, felt like I wanted to work in television somewhere but I wasn't sure where that fit was like if it was an animation studio whatever um, but I knew that I wanted to move to New York that's like the only guaranteed thing and right. so after I graduated I, I remember like interviewing at a couple places and turning them down because it wasn't what I wanted and then the recession happened <laughs> and just being like oh no I have this art degree you might have gotten laid off though for what it's worth that is true I, I, I want to say like I think <laughs> most people I graduated with that year were like laid off from their jobs it was just oh. a bad time I think it's changed a lot in the, yeah. since, since it can happen again oh don't say that yeah but so I had this art degree and so I, I long story short I, I ended up saving up money and moving to New York um, and taking on a freelance gig at a toy design studio just because they were like we know you can use Adobe Illustrator we know you can draw we're gonna use you for things and um, it was just my two bosses and me and we were doing um, toy design and packaging for Sesame Street and Hasbro and Disney and all these different things and that I was, must have been fun. That it was fun. awesome it was really fun yeah. and I was freelancing on the side and um, I ended up taking this night class at SVA in animation which is like hand-drawn animation mm -hmm. and a girl in my class, um, she worked at Sesame Street, and she and I actually stayed in touch with like a bunch of people from this class. But she basically encouraged me to apply, and then I somehow somehow <laughs> somehow like I, I applied for a, a PA job, and then um, kind of not knowing what to expect because. I, PA can kind of mean different things for different right. places. You can and get coffee or you can do something. Yeah, right. and so I, I um, it was for our digital media group um, initially, and somehow they were like, I think my boss at the time when he was interviewing me, he, he was looking at my portfolio and he was like, I want you because you can draw and like you show initiative, like we're going to use you for other stuff, but like right. just a foot in your foot in the door type thing yeah um and so I got the job and then That's started crazy. yeah it was so I started in digital and then um I worked in digital media for two years and I guess like into my second year I realized there was this amazing art department here at Sesame Street like internally mm -hmm. separate from the show um called creative services and uh happened to meet an art director who was working there and he was like we're hiring character designers and illustrators uh, we're looking for someone to fill the role of like a junior illustrator character designer mm -hmm. build your portfolio and apply for it because he saw that I could draw right. um, and I worked my butt off to kind of revamp my portfolio and then I got That's like the chapter I'm in right now yeah so I'm like, yes, I'm doing the right thing. yes yeah. the through line was 
weird timing and opportunity and mm-hmm. then just like stepping up and trying to revamp a portfolio and taking it. Yeah. Um, but with all that said, I've been at Sesame now for, for it's going to be nine years this summer. It'd be really fun to kind of talk about, about Sesame Street a little bit more. My grandma would always take me to, uh, I think, Radio City. That might have been Barney, but definitely Madison Square Garden they used to go. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time, Big Bird, uh, I, I loved it. And I used to get those little, like, they, on, they used to have on sticks, like these little felt, um, like, characters. And they would have them on sticks, and I was there in, like, the front row. And I love Sesame Street. It's, like, ingrained in my DNA in my formative years. It was amazing. And uh, one time, my crowning achievement was that Big Bird talked to me. Because he was like, what does everybody, like, what does everybody want to be, like, when they get older? And there's all, like, these, like, quiet little kids, and they're all just like, I want to be a brilliant, I want to I stood up on my chair, and on the top of my lungs, like, screamed bloody murders, like, I want to be a fireman! And Big Bird got, like, literally startled, because I was in, like, the front row and backed up, and it was like, a fireman! And in my mind, I had it in my head that Big Bird and I were friends. So, uh, do you have any childhood memories about... And there's, that's just one of many Sesame Street stories I have for you. Do you have any Sesame Street stories you remember from when you were a kid? Do you remember, like, the moment where... Yeah. Um, I, have, I, I probably will pale in comparison to my story. I think I have, like, an equally wonderful slash disturbing story. Okay. No, um, maybe not as good as Startling Big Bird, but... Um, you literally, like, the guy in the suit. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I, I grew up in Pennsylvania. So Reading, we, Pennsylvania. Reading, Pennsylvania. I was born there. <laughs> right there. Yeah. yeah. So it was kind of a far cry from like Madison Square Garden, but we did have Sesame Place in Jersey. Yes. Or wait, Pennsylvania. It's on the. It's near it's the, right border. the border. Yeah. I get. I always mix up if it's in Jersey Confession, or Pennsylvania. I haven't been there. Really? I'm waiting to have kids go. I think that is, at this point, I'm close at this enough, point, well that is the wisest choice yeah. as an adult. Be a little weird, 27 year old. Yes. Time, so if it's a place. Yeah, I would wait. Yes. Um, but we we would go there, and I remember um, when I was really little. Do you remember Maria from the show? Mm-hmm. So she had a daughter, and they kind of wove her daughter into the script. Her daughter Gabriella, and mm-hmm. she like became a character on the show, and so they were celebrating Gabriella's birthday and so they were all singing and like the cast was there and then they actually had you know the the puppeteers there in the suits and the costumes um and I wanted to bring a gift for Gabriella so I gave her I my and my mom humored me totally helped me with the gift we wrapped it and brought it to the show and it was a tackle box filled with creepy crawlies (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do you remember like yeah, rubber yeah. basically like rubber worms and spiders weirdly, weirdly enough I know exactly what yes because yeah. I thought that was such a cool gift because I grew up like being a tomboy and I saw so I was like of course she's gonna want this tackle right. box filled with like worms <laughs> <laughs> so we gave it to some PA and it's wrapped in like birthday paper so like covered you can't see what it is right. and the PA brings it behind the stage and I can only imagine their face when they actually opened it up <laughs> because I'm sure Gabriella did not actually get that gift I think it was oh my god some poor production person yeah but I I mean I've, I've always had like a deep connection with the show I grew up watching it um favorite characters Bird and Ernie since childhood yes um if you had to pick one Oh, probably Bert. Yeah? <laughs> I love him so much. He's just so straight edge and I think so too, awkward. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I love that he loves pigeons and has a paper clip collection. He's just such a weirdo. <laughs> and I think I think the two characters balance so nicely together. Yeah. I, I, I kind of go back and forth between like loving 
Bert and then like Ernie's enthusiasm and then Grover's enthusiasm. So yes. I think those are my top three. Yeah. Um, not to play favorites. Yeah. For people that are looking to either get into character design or they want to uh, apply here or they want to put themselves on a path um, to maybe, you know, they're into illustration and they want to like venture into character design. What's your advice for people uh, that that want to do that? So just to explain a little bit about our department. So um, creative services is the art department that's in-house. It's separate from the set and what they do on the set. And it's only about... I want to say 20 people, um, illustrators, character designers, toy designers, and graphic designers, and then like digital web people. Um, character design is such a specific hard field. Like you, anytime I think about it, I think of animation. Mm-hmm. Um, you always have to do uh, these technical kind of architecture sketches to see the shapes and the build and kind of the skeleton of the character, how they move, how they function. Um, And it's also pretty different from illustration where you can draw the character but not necessarily have to know the structure as well. Right, right. And with with our characters... It's not just like eyeballs and the nose and getting that down. Yeah. Right? It's not like some like YouTube video where it's like, draw, draw, draw a big bird. It, and then now you're... In, like, you have to actually know, like, the... Yes. And the so architecture I, underneath. So yes. Yeah. And it's... It, it, I think it's a pretty hard skill to learn, and our characters are so deceptively simple, but they're actually pretty hard to draw. Like, yes. They, we have I learned this, that with Mickey Mouse. It was so yeah. hard to draw. I couldn't believe I'm so pissed off. You, you'd be surprised that some <laughs> of the most simple character designs out there are actually pretty hard to, to nail. And I, maybe, well, the nuances of yeah. it. Yeah. Like and you maybe, can get the general shape, but not the... Exactly. Right. I, th- I think part of it is they're so recognizable and mainstream that if something, even if it's like a pupil focus is slightly off, mm-hmm. you can instantly tell something's wrong, even if you can't. Yeah. know exactly what it is talk about like brand equity that's crazy yes yeah. so so um when i i guess when i got started originally i was in digital and i was doing digital art but then when i transitioned to creative services i had to do art tests and i also had to change my portfolio to kind of prove that i could draw the characters um i had to draw characters in a scene and then i also had to show structure for things and i think um, the other character designers I worked with at the time, and three of them still work here. It's a, mm. it's a small group of people. Um, they sort of wanted me specifically because I had digital skills. A lot of them are, they, they obviously can use Photoshop and Illustrator and mm-hmm. digital stuff. And we work on Cintiqs, which are pre- pressure sensitive computer screens that you can draw directly on. But they won. Yes, they're so (laughs) fantastic. They're it's such a life changer working on them. Um, But I think they wanted someone with sort of a digital background, who came from you know working with uh, characters that would be used in like apps and web games and things like that, and could work quickly in Illustrator. So I think my experience using Adobe Illustrator in in addition to being able to draw characters was really what got me the job and I think for people who are interested in that the the world is so open now on the internet especially with Instagram Mm -hmm. so many young people follow other character designers they see what they're doing I think practicing and then also being able to like practicing from original character designs from just studying yeah Yeah. I think studying what other people are doing but then also studying like 
like Mickey Mouse, Sesame Street characters, just right. practicing drawing that. I think. Yeah, because you do like uh, Ed the Mold from like The Incredibles. And yeah. All these different, and all like these classic Muppet characters. Yes. Do you try and regularly. Uh, you know, do you have, I, like a rotation of uh, people, or it's always something new. Always something new, and yeah. I think I think even as a working professional, it's important. I'm realizing more and more now. I'm like, you always have to draw. You always have to practice. Look at what other people are doing. Looking at current trends and just making yourself do the work, even if it's not provided to you at the job. Right. Which I think um, um, something that I've learned since I've been here too is you always have to make time for side projects mm-hmm. You and sometimes you can't wait for the job to hand you exactly what, well you should never wait for the right. job to hand you exactly what you want to be doing because no sometimes it won't um, but with character design I think if you're interested in that definitely practice doing turnarounds and practice looking at other people's characters mm-hmm. um, and then if you're more into illustration similar thing of just making tests for yourselves and trying to do it is there ever like an element of like repetition like doing it over and over again well i think i think one of the tricky things starting out was um at least when i had to do the art test we were supposed to draw the character terrifying oh have you ever had to do an art test no that's why i stay i stay in the branding space but even for freelance gigs i've had to do art tests to kind of match the style of whatever the brand is and it's extremely hard it, they just like leave you in the yeah. room with a pen and a pencil and they're like, draw a big bird. Yeah. What? Well, well, I would be out. Not, not all of them are timed. Like the one, the one here, thankfully, wasn't timed. Like I think I had, I was able to bring work home with me and do it. And I look at it now and I'm like, oh my God, it's so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think they had really open hearts in hiring me and they were definitely looking at my digital work being like, we know we can... Um, we can use her for digital skills. And I think right. my other skill sets were really, really what helped with the job and that I had been here. They didn't have to train a new person. I'd already mm-hmm. been here for a couple of years. Um, but I think with character design, I, I definitely think drawing characters over and over again, yes, that repetition can help you understand how they're built, but also putting them in scenarios where they're like, animated and doing different things you do have to think about how they're built and how they're moving so uh, for instance like what their elbow looks like yeah most of the character most of the character design we do is either it's either animated in apps or uh, web games on sesamestreet.org or it's used for licensing and products and nothing is just like a stationary character with their arms at their sides Mm -hmm. like they're all usually expressive and doing something so it's important to think of how to make them lifelike and exciting and have expression and then um, also retain the character elements of each yeah. character. So it's, it's a lot. Answer ever. I love <laughs> this. This is so good. Oh, good. Oh, cool. yay. All right. <laughs> is it difficult to innovate in a space where people are so attached to, you know, like these characters? And I feel like every time that Sesame Street, like, introduces a new character, it's, like, all over the news. They're, like, you know, it's – these are – like these characters are beloved by people. How do you innovate when people are like so attached? It's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's know it's a great question. It's a it's a kind of a complicated answer. I think because there's so much like brand equity, yes. right? There's so much like familiarity. Yes. So I think, um, I think from an artist's perspective. Okay. So I guess to start with, we part of our responsibility. 
um, at least with some of my coworkers, is to like blue line the characters. So we get submissions in from all these different groups mm-hmm. and we have to make sure we're like the gatekeepers where we're triple checking the character art and just making sure it looks correct. So right. um, um, an art, two art directors downstairs are like the head character designers and they just they approve everything and make sure it looks okay. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of innovation, I want to say we have all of these great opportunities to get to work with the characters in different ways. So um, some of it is through character design where we can push the boundaries of how the characters look based on trends and styles, like either in products and licensing, stuff we see on like going on in the art world. Right. Um, we get to partner with um, a ton of different artists now for like licensing things, which is feels like cutting edge and new like they did mm-hmm. this uniqlo Wait, something that changed that yeah the uniqlo yeah with, with cause with cause yeah tell like, me about this because uh, it seems like <laughs> it seems like that wouldn't work but you, it's well, officially licensed stuff I, I was confused that's like that's a crazy thing so i didn't actually work on that project but because of how big and popular he is well, he, he like X'd out the character's eyes, which we are not supposed to do. Like, yeah, we're not supposed to show them approved? dead. I have no idea. But I, th- I think I think it was approved because of the artist and his style. Mm-hmm. And so in in some cases with like licensing and clothing and we work with artists based on trends and we go to them for their style. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of even like s- some of the things I was showing you downstairs where my coworker did characters as zombies and yeah. characters as 8-bit. So, so cool. it's just pushing the boundaries. We try to design based on trends and like stay fresh, stay relevant, keep in the public eye. And mm-hmm. also um, I think people are delighted to see the characters push beyond the kids' space because so many people who grew up with the show yes. are fans of the show as mm-hmm. adults and then they have their kids watch the show. And a lot of people geek out and want adult stuff too, in addition mm-hmm. to kid stuff. So we sort of have to gear character styles either towards adult-facing, fan-facing things, or kid-facing. And for instance, too, like we're always at Comic Con for different things, and right. you can see like Sesame Street product as like, um, do you do you know those little Funko Pop? Uh, figures you might see it. oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They, they have like little beady eyes and they yes. have them for like yeah. absolutely every brand so there's like Those sesame so street cool. ones that, so there's i can't buy one because that'll buy all of them exactly i know like, like they're a, like collectibles yeah. i should yeah, say yeah, yeah. collectibles so there's there's stuff that's adult facing and you see the characters in such a wide variety of styles which is great but i think um from my experience of working here i've seen the most boundaries pushed for international things because mm-hmm a lot of so sesame street is i think i'm going to totally get the number wrong but it's in more than 150 countries across the world and each country has their own set of characters um some of the characters are repeated and sometimes for instance like in china and japan sesame street's used as an english as a second language type thing so really yeah so sometimes they use i actually remember when big bird went to japan and we watched the school he went to China. To China. Yeah. To China, sorry. Yeah, but that's such a great movie. Yeah, it's so, that's a classic. so sweet. It's very yeah. classic. Carol, and Carol weird. Spinney. And very, like, yeah. Yeah, we watched eclectic it. Eclectic and. I gotta rewatch that. You should. I love going back and watching, like, and wrecking things for myself. Don't wreck it for yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think parts of it still hold up, and it's it's such a classic movie. You'll, you'll feel it in your heart, but then also it. 
it's a it's little, little it is a little wonky for yeah. the times. Yes. <laughs> but we we um like a lot of times here at work they sometimes screen old movies. Oh, so really? so they they screened it here and so that was the first time I had seen it since I was a little kid. And you're and I was like, wow, this is different. Whoa, yeah, special yeah. effects. Yeah. <laughs> so different. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, talking about English as a second language. Yeah. So I'll tie it all together. Don't worry. Yeah, I think um so it's used differently in different countries. And so we, I find from my experience working here that sometimes in, in China and Japan that they're able to use these like edgier styles for mm-hmm. products in different ways because it's more adult facing than kid facing. Mm-hmm. So they put like awesome zombie designs on hats and like right. they'll, they'll use um, art designs that kind of push the boundaries. Whereas domestically it's so kid focused mm-hmm. and so respected for kids that sometimes... Um, it's more kid-facing designs, yeah. so it's safer and, yeah. you know, aim, cool. aimed for two-year-olds. Exactly. <laughs> so I want to talk about imposter syndrome a little bit. I know it's kind of uh, something that we talk about all the time in the podcast, but it, it manifests itself in many different ways. Um, some people, like yourself, feel like you're kind of introverted, and you're, and you're kind of talking about that. I'm, I'm extroverted, and everyone thinks that being extroverted is really good, but as we were kind of talking about, when there's like a whole bunch of like introverted production artists and you're the one extrovert, you kind of like stick out. So they both can have their thing. And working here where everyone and their mother probably wants to work, um, that's an illustrator. You know, this is like one of the places where people are like knocking down the door to get here, right? Uh, can you talk a little bit about like when you first started out, did you have imposter syndrome? And um, for people that are in that place and maybe they're not sure about that next, you know, that next step. So... Oh gosh, I guess like when I first started out, I uh, I wasn't technically doing illustration in the very beginning. I was a PA and Sesame Street has so much weight in the in the name and so I would tell people I worked for Sesame Street, they would freak out and I almost felt like um maybe not when I was in digital, but I think when I started in the art department, I was working with and still to this day, I'm working with all these heavyweight artists, some people who've been there for 20 years, mm-hmm. amazing art directors. That and guy who did the sketches, what's his name? Evan. Evan. And Lewis. Um, yeah, that's yeah. incredible. They're Those amazing. Have to go we have to oh, sure. <laughs> well, just, just amazing, amazing character designers, amazing art directors. And the best again, in the game. The, I mean, this is pretty much like. Yeah, yeah like, this like is it. hands down. And, and again, mm-hmm. some of them have been here for like, for more than 20 years. And. I have to say, like, it, it has really pushed me to be amazing and better, and it's pushed me to do really hard work because I'm working with such great people. And also, like, I guess I could say, too, when I first started, a lot of these people were older than me, like, uh, in their 50s. And how they, old, how you, um, I started when I was 24. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I, I, I remember when I first started in the art department, I was like, how the hell did they hire? Right. <laughs> what am I doing? What oh my I gosh! I mean, there's still there's still a couple of people my age or close to my age. But um, initially, when I first started, I was like, I, I, ha- I. First of all, I'm I'm working with these beloved characters that everyone knows, and I have to be respectful, like how I draw them, and it's hard to draw them. It's it was a learning process that even to this day, like I'm still learning new things, yeah. but initially for sure had imposter syndrome where I was like I shouldn't be here yeah. <laughs> like there's was, there was like this voice that was just like 
how did you get this job? Yeah. <laughs> and, and people, you know, always so excited to talk about Sesame Street. And I would almost feel like, um, uh, not guilty, but I would just, I would be like, I, they're going to find out that I, I shouldn't be here, which is looking back on it now. I'm like, I want to slap myself because I'm like, no, right. <laughs> no, like you're, you were fine. Like you, you, <laughs> you earn your place and you always, always like when you start in the beginning with something, you're not the best at it. It's a, it's a learning process, any job you start. And mm. I think in particular with character design and illustration, it's hard. It's a really hard field to be in and you learn, you grow, um, and I, I have to say now, like working with the best of the best, I, I appreciate that so much now because I do you feel like that that, that is absolutely made better, yeah. it's it's totally made me better. It's changed the way I work. Um, you know, since I've started, I've not only in how I draw has changed, but it also I've learned all these different computer programs and and how to streamline my work, how to work with color, how to work print, how to work digital. So it's yeah. really given me such a hands on experience. But I do have to say, like. You, you think that you grow out of imposter syndrome and some people maybe they do but mm -hmm. I, th I think that's always a struggle that people have and I yeah. think with artists um, especially you pick this career and this field to work in and maybe at some point you think it's going to get easier but I I don't I don't think it does I think there's always new challenges and I think that you might always struggle with this voice or whatever that Mm -hmm. is this imposter syndrome but um my advice i because i think all students start starting out might at some point feel this is this you have to work past it and you have to believe in yourself and put your head down do the hard work and you know you you need to work past it in some way um because you grow from it but i think there's always going to be some fear in our careers it can manifest in any way and um, my advice is just like, don't let that hold you back. Like you have right. to work past like override it. Override your own ego. Yes, kind of thing. yes, yeah. exactly. Because yeah. it's it's such a silly voice. Sometimes I guess it keeps us in check, but I think don't let it prevent you from doing the work you really want to do. Bam. Yeah. I love that. Uh. Powerful. Yes. Yeah, thank you so much for doing this. It's been really great. I've enjoyed our conversation before, during, in the middle, yeah. everything. We definitely need to hang out again. You need to be my wife, Sammy. You guys will be best friends. Uh, where can people find you online? What's the best place to get in touch? I, I'm going to say here in the podcast, I think that your Instagram account could have like hundreds of thousands of followers. You, you could be speaking at like Adobe Max like by next year if you just tried like a little. But <laughs> <laughs> hey. No, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. No, you definitely don't. No. Uh, but where can people find you online? And uh, yeah. Sure. Um, okay, so my website is... She has an awesome Instagram, by the way. I'm just saying it could be like, you know, you could run the world. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate it. No, it's great. Um, so my website is just my name, which is sarahrebar.com. And my Instagram handle is HeySaraRebar. All right. Thank you so much. Perfect. See, now you did your first podcast. It's in the book up top. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Make sure you're following along. Meet the Creatives NY on Instagram. And uh, thank you so much again to our great, awesome, epic sponsor, KEH Camera. Thanks for making it happen. Go check out KEH. 
www.meetthecreatives.com. And I'll see you guys next time on Meet the Creatives.